We'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're continuing, of course, our study of this great letter. It's a very brief letter, but there's so much in it. Paul writes, he's on his second missionary journey. He is in Corinth, and he writes back to the believers. He writes to correct some errors. He writes to encourage them in the trials that they're going through. And he even gives some instructions about the Christian life. Well, this morning, as we look, we're going to see the second coming of Christ. And you've got to make sure you understand because sometimes people get it mixed up and when they think about the rapture and they say, you know, Jesus is going to come at any second. It's true. That's called the rapture. That's not the second coming of Jesus Christ. Second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes to the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. This passage deals with that this morning. So as we look at it, we want to be encouraged as we see this this morning. Have you ever been with somebody famous who was honored? You know, our world tends to honor people. In 1984, I got to go to the um, Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, and I I flew out there with a family, a really special family. They knew some famous people. So one night, they just said, we're going to go to a restaurant, and we're going to go to a restaurant with Eva Eva Gabor. Well, Eva Gabor, if you remember, was a movie star, and she was also on the TV show Green Acres. So we went to her house, picked her up, took her to to the restaurant. As we got there, we drove up. And as they opened the doors to the car and she got out, photographers were just everywhere, taking her pictures as she walked. And, and, and we got to the restaurant and there was this long line. It was called Spango's, which is this famous pizza place there. And there was this long line. But when we got there, they just opened this door and Ava and all of us went through. And, and we sat down and I thought, wow, this is amazing. And, and uh, she would be sitting there and people would come over and they would give her a kiss and say something. And I looked at her and she said, producers, you know. And so I didn't, uh, you know, and we went to her house and she had a big grand piano and on the piano were pictures of Anwar Sadat and the president, you know, president of the United States. And and she had like pictures of leaders of the world. And so she was admired and honored by many people. But do you realize there's going to come a day in the future when the greatest human, greatest person who ever lived of all times will be honored and admired and glorified, and that's Jesus Christ, the God-man. Jesus Christ will come to this earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the creator, redeemer, sustainer, provider, protector. He is the ruler of this world, and he will be honored. And when he comes the second time as king to set up his kingdom and rule for a thousand years on this earth, uh, he will be honored and glorified. This passage actually talks about it. So in our passage this morning, Paul gives information about the second coming. And what we find is Jesus Christ will judge unbelievers, he will reward believers, and he will be glorified as the king when he comes. So let me remind you some things as we, before we get into the passage. I want to make a contrast between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. If you remember, the first coming of Christ is when he came to the earth, when he was born in Bethlehem. When we talk about comings of Christ, we're talking about to the earth, because there's a coming of Christ in the clouds. We'll talk about that in a minute. His first coming to the earth, he came, he was born in Bethlehem, he came to die. He was not honored then. He, in fact, he died and rose again, paying for our sins. He will come a second time, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's going to come in holy. He's going to be holy and righteous and glorious, and he will rule the world. And that's the two comings of Jesus Christ. And let me show you this. This is the chart we've seen many times, and I think I can get over this way. And if you notice, this is the first coming of Christ where he came and he died on the cross to pay for sin and rise again, and he walked another 40 days to send him back to heaven. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes as the King of Kings to set up uh, the kingdom and to rule in righteousness and justice. And when he comes that second time, he will get all the honor and the glory. First Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever 
and ever. Amen. So when Jesus comes this second time, he gets the glory. And he didn't get the glory the first time. When he was born in Bethlehem, most people didn't even know about it. Angels came and some shepherds found out. A few other people found out. As he grew up, most people didn't know him. When he started his ministry at age 30, the, the religious world and most of the world rejected him and that kind of thing. So uh, when he comes the second time, I, we always say the first time he came, he came to die. The second time he comes to reign. And when he comes to reign, uh, he's, he's not asking permission from anyone when he comes the second time. Well, he'll get the glory he deserves. This morning, as we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, we're going to see great truth. Paul, I'll remind you that Paul is in Corinth, and he writes to him. This is the map. Let me just put this up. If you remember, in the second missionary journey, Paul started. He ended up in Troas, got a vision to come over to Macedonia. He then left and went to Philippi. Then he went to Thessalonica. That's the letter. He was there for a very short time, led people to Christ, started the church. They ran him out of town. He went to Berea. From Berea, he went to Athens. From Athens, he went to Corinth. While he's in Corinth, Corinth, and he stayed at Corinth for a year and a half. This is all in the book of Acts, where you see uh, Paul's missionary journeys. While he was there, he got word from the church in Thessalonica, so he sent somebody there, and he found out some things, so he wrote what we call 1 Thessalonians. Then he found out some more things, and he wrote, and this is what we call 2 Thessalonians, and this is what we're studying now. We said that there were three reasons why he wrote the letter this letter that we call the second letter, it was to encourage the believers in persecution. They're going through amazing persecution. There are people in, Ameri there are people in our world today who are going through persecution when they stand for Jesus Christ. Some of, their, some of them are being killed. This is what was happening even in Thessalonica. The second reason he writes is inform them about the end times, about the day of the Lord. He's got to talk to them because somebody had, had told them that they missed the rapture, that the rapture had already happened and they're in the tribulation time period. And he writes to them to tell them, no, that's not true. We'll see that in chapter 2. And then he instructs them on how to deal with some problem believers. There were believers in Thessalonica who weren't working, who weren't doing anything. They were saying something like this. Jesus is coming back any second. No sense working. He could come back any second, so why would I be working? And so they were asking people for food, asking people for money. And the Christians were going, well, shouldn't you be working? And so Paul writes to help correct some of those things. So this morning, uh, we're going to actually see two different things. We're going to see the second coming of Christ, what's going to happen when he comes, as verses 6 through 10. And then we're going to see Paul's prayer for these believers. And it's also a prayer that we could pray for each other. This is what we want to see happen in our lives. So let's start with what we call the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to talk about. And here's a great truth. At the second coming of Christ, there will be judgment on the unbelievers. There will be rewards and rest for the believers, and there will be glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let me remind you of how this fits again. This is the first coming. This is the second coming. We're in the church age now. The next event is not the second coming of Christ. It's the rapture. I'll talk more about that in just a second. But our passage, Paul is writing and saying, when Jesus Christ comes to the earth to reign, he's going to shape things up, you might say. He's going to deal with the unbelievers, and he's going to deal with those kind of things. So there's some great things there. So as we begin, let me just give you the flow. Remember, he, he first of all, in verse 4, he is very proud of them because they're standing strong in persecution. Look at verse 4. He says, Therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches, the, the churches for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. He said, Listen, I'm very proud of you. We tell other churches how you're standing strong 
strong, even in the persecution. And then in verse 5, he says, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you'll be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. He says, look, God's going to reward you. You're going to be standing worthy for the kingdom of God. When you enter the kingdom, God will reward you because of what you have done. Have you stood, stood uh, steadfast for him? Now, we realize when Jesus Christ comes, uh, there'll be the two comings, the first one to die, the second one to reign. And, and that just, I want to make sure we've got this because people do get this mixed up. Paul is not talking about the rapture. I'll show this chart one more time. But if you remember, this is where we are now. Jesus died and rose again. He ascended back to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are in the church age now. We're talking about the fact that people say, you know, Jesus could come at any second, and he could. The coming at any second is not his second coming. It is what we call the rapture, which Jesus Christ will come. The Bible says this. It says that uh, he'll descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. Thus will always be in the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. That's the rapture. Paul, in this letter, is telling them about the second coming. Now, what is great about us is that we won't go through this tribulation or anything like that because we'll be taken out with the church, the body of Christ. He's going to come get us. And when Jesus comes the second time, we will be coming with him. He will ride on a white horse. Revelation chapter 19, it says we're coming with him. So we'll talk about that. We'll actually look at that verse in just a few minutes, but I want you to see that. So first coming to die, the second coming to reign, this is not the rapture. So look what he says. Now watch what happens. And this, sometimes people get mad about this. This is exactly what he says. For after all, verse 6, it is only just for God to repay with afflictions those who afflict you. Now he says there's going to be judgment on the unbelievers. And he's actually saying those people who have rejected Christ and are persecuting the Christians, one day they will be judged by God when he comes. In fact, Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so he says, "Don't Just realize that God is just, and those people who have persecuted Christians, and let's just say it this way, all throughout history, people who have persecuted those who live for Jesus Christ and stand for Jesus Christ, one day God's going to judge them. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's the way it is. If God is going to reward those who live for him, he's going to judge those who reject him and have persecuted the believers. That's what he says. It is, after all, he says, it's only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And you know what that helps us? It realizes that we don't try to get people back when they do us wrong. You remember we talked about in Sunday school in our girl groups this morning, we're not wrestling. Our fight is not against human beings. We, we, we're it's a spiritual battle, and so we don't get people back. So first great truth, when Jesus Christ comes, there's going to be judgment on believers, uh, on unbelievers. Second great truth is there's going to be rewards for believers. He gives relief to the believers. Look at verse 7. And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Now that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, we all... We've all read the Bible. Do you realize that when Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's riding on a horse and he's going to bring judgment with him? He's going to give relief to us, he says, and to relief to those who are afflicted. Now, that's, that's really going to be 
the people, whoops, well, uh, the chart, the people who are in the tribulation, they're going to get relief when he comes. All of us who have already lived and died and been with him, we're going to get relief when he comes. And he says, to relief to us and to you and to us, when Jesus comes and he's revealed from heaven. One of these days, Jesus is coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what's going to happen? There'll be judgment to unbelievers and there'll be rest and reward to believers. Judgment at the second coming. This is the second coming. I, I put here Revelation. Listen to me. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to this. This is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, and a little bit following. This is the second coming of Christ. This is what Paul is talking about in 2 Thessalonians. Listen to this. John sees it before it's happened. Of course, he sees it the future. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Now he's coming on a white horse. He's called faithful and true. And in it says he in righteousness he judges and wages war. Listen to what it goes on to say. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, that's crowns, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in white linen, that's us, white and clean, are following him on white horses. Do you understand that one day you will follow Jesus Christ coming to this earth on a white horse? He does all the fighting, so you don't have to worry about anything. Just kind of sit on the horse and look, okay? But look what it goes on to say. Listen to what it says. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the wrath of God. And on his robe and on his thigh is his name that is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Jesus coming the second time. And when he comes, he's not asking anybody's opinion. He's coming to rule this world. Now, we're glad about that, right? Are you glad that he's coming to rule this world? And those of us who know him as Savior, we're going to be with him. Now, you may or may not rule with him. Ruling with him depends on your faithfulness. Being in the kingdom depends on the fact that you have trusted in Christ as Savior. But actually ruling with Christ depends on your service as a Christian. Not every Christian rules with him. Every Christian is in the kingdom. Okay? Every believer is in the kingdom. Look what he says. And this is, it's really powerful. Verse 8, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. He says he's dealing out retribution. That means he's coming. He's, he's bringing judgment. And understand there's a judgment coming. It says that those who do not know him, the word know does, it actually means to not acknowledge. It's the same as where John 1.10 says uh, he created the world, but the world did not know him. They never acknowledged him, who he is as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then he says, and those who do not obey the gospel. To obey the gospel means to believe it. The gospel message is that Jesus died and rose again, and whoever believes in him has eternal life. To obey the gospel means you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now, we've said this many, many times, but I want to make sure you got it. The offer of salvation is eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of every human being. He rose from the grave to conquer death for every human being. Eternal life is an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, and it comes simply by faith. And whenever we believe in him, John 3, 16, whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Everlasting life. The offer is eternal life, which comes simply by faith. 
So it's what the offer is. And so he says that those who do not obey the gospel means they do not who believe the gospel, they'll be judged. So Jesus died and rose again, and all who believe in him have eternal life. A great truth. One of these days, Jesus Christ, now we know he's going to come in the clouds and take us out. And after that tribulation time period on the earth, which we saw in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation, one of these days, Jesus is coming back to this earth as the king, and we're coming with him. Those of us who know Christ as Savior. And all who have trusted in him will be with him, but those who have rejected him, those who do not trust Jesus Christ as Savior, they'll be separated from him. It is true that one day Jesus Christ will come as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And those who do not believe will be separated. What should we be doing? Now think about this. What should we in this room be doing knowing that one day Jesus is going to come as the king to this earth and all who have believed in him will go into the kingdom with him and all who have rejected him will be separated. People will be judged and separated. What should we be doing? We should be proclaiming clearly in this community the people you come in contact with. We should be proclaiming clearly the good news message of Jesus Christ. Now, we talked about, we've been talking about um, uh, temptation and things in Sunday school class, and we talked a little bit about the devil and the schemes of the devil, how he tries to stop us from serving. And, And the great truth is there are people out there who do not understand the salvation message. We have the greatest message of all. It's called the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the what? It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. So many people in our culture, so many people in our town, so many people in our state, so many people in our world, they think that going to heaven is trying to do something good, trying to live right for God, do something good, keep doing something, who knows? They do not know the message. We have the message. We have the greatest message of all. We have to proclaim this message in this community because what's going to happen one day look at verse 9 he tells what happens at the second coming these those who have rejected these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power these are referring to the unbelievers unbelievers will be eternally separated from the presence of the Lord the word destruction doesn't mean annihilation it means that there's an idea of a separation idea that they're they're getting destructed and set apart. And so there will be an eternal setting apart away from the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that's what we're talking about. When we say eternal life, eternal life is living with Jesus Christ forever. And the second death is being separated from Jesus Christ forever. They pay the penalty. The penalty is separation. And by the way, it's not for sin. Just remember that. No one ever goes to hell or the lake of fire for sin. Sin has already been paid for by Jesus Christ. A person doesn't have eternal life because they do not believe. It's all faith. John 3, 18. uh, uh, Those who believe have eternal life, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Whoever believes has eternal life and will never be condemned. Whoever does not believe is separated. It's not sin. Sin is already paid for by Jesus Christ. He went on the cross, paid for the sin of the whole world. First John 2, 2. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Understand this. That's John three eighteen. Understand that believers have eternal life and eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Unbelievers have a second death 
which is eternal separation from God. I want to read something else to you. This is in Revelation again. This is in Revelation chapter 20. And this is at the very end at what we call the great white throne judgment. And here's what it says. And death and Hades uh, were thrown in a lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Lake of fire is what people often call hell. The Bible calls it the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he is thrown into the lake of fire. How do you get your name in the book of life? By faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. That's how you get in the book of life. And he says there's going to come a time that those names who are not found written in the book of life, they experience what the Bible calls the second death. They're separated forever. He tells us a little bit more about his second coming in verse 10. It says, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you is believed. So listen, he comes. He comes to be glorified. And when Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords and we come with him, we're giving him the praise and the honor and the glory. And let me tell you, our, our, our praise team, they are incredible. Are they not incredible? They are incredible. Well, listen, we, 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 we sing, we, we're here and we sing these songs and we're lifting up our voices in praise and adoration. And let me tell you something. That will be nothing compared to what's going to happen when he comes and we're going to be lifting up our voice, voices and praise and adoration with millions of believers who have trusted in him. He's going to get all the honor and all the glory. And look what it says. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, the day in which the heavens open and he comes as the king of kings, he's to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. He's the grace of God, and he's done it all for us. He has done everything by his grace, his love, his mercy, his death, and his resurrection. See, by faith in him, we were dead, but we're now alive. We're conformed to his image. We get to live with him forever. So think about this. First coming, no glory, born in Bethlehem. Second coming, glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The believer has eternal life. The unbeliever has the second death. That's going to happen at the second coming, and then later on at what we call the great white throne judgment. Unbelievers will be judged. Believers will be rewarded. Jesus Christ will be glorified. Do you believe this? If you do, two things. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, right now you need to trust Christ as Savior if you've never trusted him. Because one day, if you don't trust him, one day you will be separated from him forever. If you believe what we've been talking about today, trust him as your Savior right where you're sitting. You don't have to walk down the aisle. You have to come do anything. You believe in him for eternal life. For those of us who have already trusted in Christ, we believe this. Then what should we do? We, we, ought to be, we ought to be calling people. We ought to be talking to people. We ought to not be embarrassed or afraid to tell people about Jesus. We need to say, listen, in our minds, we're saying, listen, if they don't trust Christ, they're going to spend eternity separated from him. And we don't want that. You know, my brother just passed away, and by the grace of God, I know, I know he knew Jesus Christ as Savior. So even though it was sad, I know that the moment my brother passed away, to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. But what if he had not trusted Christ? How would I feel? There are people in our lives that we don't know whether they're Christians or not. We don't know if they've ever trusted Christ or not. We've got to tell them. 
We've got to tell them. Well, from this, Paul ends this up, and we'll go really quickly through this. From this, Paul, then he gives a prayer for these believers. And, and look, his prayer, he prays for them always that God would count them worthy. Look what he says. To this end, also, we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and work of faith with your power. He says, listen, my prayer for you is that you'd be a worthy believer, that you'd be a faithful believer. That's really the key. Isn't that the prayer for all of us? What do we want to hear him say? Well done what? good and faithful servant. When we stand before Jesus Christ, we want to hear that. Well, if we don't ever serve him, he's not going to say that. So Paul prays to to these believers, to these Thessalonians, and he says, this is my prayer that God will count you worthy of your calling. Your calling is a child of God. That's who we are. Worthy of our calling. Look at first, this is what he wrote to them in the first letter. He says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. He said that you would live out who you are, worthy, faithfulness. That's what he says, in your work of faith with power. That's a faithful idea. And then look how he ends this. And the goal is always the same, that the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified in you, is what he says. He says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, here's what I pray. I pray that you'll be worthy of the calling which God's called you, and that the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified. Isn't that what we want for each other? That, that God would be glorified in our lives? Look at this verse. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What is our goal? That God would be glorified in our lives. What can you do? Well, you can say to God, take my life. Use me for your honor and glory. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is not giving him your life. Salvation is taking the gift of eternal life. But as a believer, you can say to him, take my life and use it. Use the gifts, talents, and abilities that you've given me, Lord. Use me. May I be faithful. God, in his grace, allows us to serve him, to use the gifts, talents, and abilities. Paul's prayer is that they would be faithful servants so that God would be glorified in, our, in their lives. We want the same thing for us. Well, what have we seen? We've seen that when Jesus Christ comes the second time, unbelievers will be judged and believers will be rewarded. Unbelievers will be separated forever. At his second coming, Jesus Christ will be glorified. And so Paul prays that these believers might live in such a way worthy of their calling as a child of God and that God would be glorified through them. So let me give you some applications. Think about this. Let's understand. Let us understand what happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, we're not talking rapture because the rapture's next for us. And so one of these days, we're going to be going, we'll be gone. Dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with him. Thus we'll always be with the Lord. And we're going to be together. And then one of these days, Jesus, when we're with him, he's saying, it's time to go back to the earth. Everybody get on your horses. And that's what's going to happen. And when he comes the second time, you know what's going to happen? Unbelievers will be judged and separated from Jesus. That, does that not break your heart? If it didn't break your heart, there's something wrong with us. I mean, we, we, we're just saying, well, I only care about me. We got to care about these people because if they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, they will be separated. We have to tell them. The second thing is believers will be rewarded. Jesus Christ will say to many of you, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And he'll give us rest. He'll give these believers rest from their persecution and those kind of things. The third thing that happens when Jesus Christ comes back is he'll be glorified as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ah. 
We can hardly wait for that day. The second application is this. Let's, let us as believers be faithful now so that Jesus will be glorified in our lives. That's what Paul prayed. He's saying, I pray that you'll live worthy lives so that Jesus Christ is glorified. That's what we want. We want to live lives that Jesus Christ is glorified. So God, in his grace, he can use us now. Let our lights shine so that Jesus gets all the glory. May we live our lives to glorify Christ so that when he comes, we'll praise him and he'll get the glory as he deals with both unbelievers and believers.